0: There's just something about the presence of God that brings peace and assurance, and there's so many doubts and things that uh, can come into your head uh, throughout the week, but when you're in his presence worshiping with his people, and, and it says that, that he abides in the presence of his people, he's enthroned in the presence of his people, or the praises of his people, that when we worship him, that he makes his throne, his, his place of uh, where his presence rests, uh, he makes that with, his, with us. And I love the presence of the Lord. There's, there's several things in my own life that, you know, I, the past week has just been a challenge. And, and coming and worshiping the Lord is just like refilling that tank. And, um, and we're not taping this, uh, but I really want to encourage you, if you know people that are not it, at church, there, there is a, you know, a huge spike in COVID right now. If you didn't notice, <laughs> I think it went over a thousand this week or whatever. Um, and I don't want to make light of it, but I believe we're exiting this, this whole season. And, and God is, is, he wants to use every single one of us as instruments. Uh, the testimony of who Jesus Christ is is not that he makes our life perfect. How many of you know that? That the gospel of Jesus Christ is not one that he's going to make your life perfect and and answer every single one of your prayers and you'll have a painless life. That's, That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus is with us, that he's promised eternal life to every one of us who believe and call him Savior, and that even in pain and even in suffering that we can worship the Lord. And yes, there's doubt, and yes, there's fear, and yes, there's heartbreak, but Jesus is our healer. He's our comforter in times of pain. He's there in our times of need. And and that's our faith. And it's more powerful. Our testimony is more powerful to the world when we can say, yes, I've suffered loss. Yes, I have doubt. Yes, I have fear. But I still love Jesus. And people can't understand that. They're like, "If, if this happened to you, how can you love God? And if you can say, because I know him, and he's worthy of my, he loves me, and he's worthy of my love. That's the greatest testimony that you can have to a world that's looking for solutions, that's looking for, for God, and looking for love. Amen? So I just want to encourage you, right now, there are, like, while we were worshiping, I just saw, like, I saw the world with a band-aid on it. It was kind of like a comic, right? Like, there's, like, the, the uh, cartoon picture of the world with a, with a band-aid on it, and and it was just, the world is in pain. But I saw God there holding the world, and you could see that he had pain, you know, that that he's not looking at this without it affecting him. And he's called you and he's called me to show the world that he loves the world during this time. And yes, we do have doubts. We do have fears. We do have questions. And it's okay to have questions during... Times like this. But in that time, I would encourage you to let those questions draw you closer to the Lord instead of pushing you further away. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your worries, your doubts, your fears. He wants to be there for you. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, Freedom that comes from the truth. We're in this series called Abide. And uh, this this is a really... Uh, Today, we're talking about freedom that comes from the truth. How many of you want to be free? Anyone want to be free? I want to be free. But free from what? And the whole chapter of John 8 talks about freedom and how, or talks about truth and how truth is the pathway to freedom. So let's read John 8, 31 through 32 together. The title of the message this morning is Freedom That Comes From Truth. So let's read this at the count of three. One, two, three. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, and you are my my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the question is, free from what? Freedom doesn't mean a whole lot unless you know what you're being freed from. So freedom from what? Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your truth, that you are the way, the truth, the life. You said that no man comes to the Father except through you, and that, that through you, you provided a way that all of us can know the Father because you came in human form and you walked this earth the way that you have called every single one of us to walk. And so, Lord, we just pray that as we jump into your word this morning, as you came to earth, you reveal truth, and truth that would set humanity free, and we pray that you would shine your light in our hearts, the areas where we are experiencing lies, God, we ask that you would break those lies off of our lives, God, that we would understand truth so that we could walk in the freedom that you've intended for us to walk in. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said, amen. Freedom. So in chapter 8 of John, Jesus talks about him being the truth and that it was through truth that we would receive freedom. And there's three different areas of freedom that Jesus talks about in John chapter 8. Number one is freedom from the law. Everyone say freedom from the law. law. And with freedom from the law comes freedom from the fear of punishment from the law. Number two is freedom from sin. Everyone say freedom from sin. How many of you want to be free from sin? How many of you are perfect? How many? <laughs> my uncle Byron raises his hand. No, sorry, not perfect. <laughs> They're just joking. We're all not perfect. Um, you got to listen to some of the stories of what Jesus saved, saved him from. Uh, when, when he, we have we have our family reunion or family dinners every Sunday night, and he tells us story after story. and We're like, "Oh, if God can save him, then God can save everybody." <laughs> Just joking. Um, freedom from sin, number three, freedom from death. Everyone say, "Freedom from death," and freedom from fear of death. Okay, so, so number one, uh, freedom from the law or the punishment of the law. The first thing, the first story that is told in the beginning of John chapter 8. Let's read this together. Uh, They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Then Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, and he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Uh, just to fit it into this, this I didn't write everything down. But as they, they threw this woman in open shame, publicly displaying her sin, they're talking to Jesus and saying, what do you say about this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery? And instead of him giving them any attention, he bends down and starts writing something in the dirt. Uh, there's different uh, theologians that believe that he's writing out the names of the different women that all of these men had uh, sinned, had thoughts of sin, or had sinned with. Um, there's other theologians that believe that he was doing it as a distraction. The Bible doesn't say why he bent down and was writing in the dirt as they're, like, throwing this lady in front of him. Uh, one question is, like, where was the guy? yeah. Why, why was it only the woman? She was caught. What about the guy? And that kind of speaks to like just culture in general, that there's some people that we like to victimize more than others. And, and in the whole thing, Jesus, he hears all their accusations. He sees the woman, that, and she's probably embarrassed, full of shame. All these people are wondering what Jesus is going to do. And, and what does he do? He, he kneels down and starts drawing in the dirt. And, and what that tells me is like he, wasn't, he didn't pay attention to what they were paying attention to. It was as if he was saying, I, I don't care. This, that's not my focus. Totally ignoring the sin that they were trying to bring up into his, into his focus. And he was saying, I'm not going to focus on that. That's, it's not worthy of even my attention. I'd rather look at dirt on the ground than look at what you're putting in front of my face. And, and the heart of Christ that was revealed is that he is not one that wants to reveal sin or expose sin or shame someone. It the, the scripture says that love covers a multitude of sin. And if God is love, it's not his desire to point things out and to shame somebody. And he goes and, 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 and continues and says, who is it that accuses you? And it said that that there was a conviction on the heart of everyone. Jesus said, let him who does not have any sin, let him throw the first stone. And one by one, from the youngest to the oldest, they threw their stones down and left. And what Jesus was saying through that whole thing is that the truth is that Jesus is more concerned about loving us than pointing out our sin. How many say amen to that? Um, In in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, it says, God sent forth his son born under the law because they were using the law of Moses to condemn this woman, saying, under the law of Moses, she should be stoned. And he he didn't accuse her. He said, where are your accusers? She said, nowhere. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Coming from the mouth of the Son of God. God sent forth his son, born under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son or daughter, then an heir of God through Christ. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but he fulfilled the law so that every single one of us could be adopted into his family. <laughs> Um, how many of you can remember the first time that you got Lickens as a kid? Spanking, spanking. How many times, actually, spanking. How many of you remember the first time that you, were, you grew up and you, you knew you deserved Lickens, spankings, but your parents didn't give you spankings? because maybe you're getting older and they just decided not to. How many of you can remember that specific moment? Raise your hand if you can remember that specific moment. One, two, three, four, five. See, there. it's interesting that you remember grace. The first time you've experienced grace. I remember the first time that happened to me. I don't remember how old I was, but I dropped a glass pitcher on the ground in the kitchen. It shattered, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get lickings. I'm going to get spanked. And then my mom, instead of spanking me, she said, just sweep it up. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was the first time. And I guess I was like young and I got older and I stopped getting spankings, which is good, right? And I remember the first time that I, I screwed up kind of big time and, and my parents didn't even like, get mad. I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> And it was when I was in high school, and my friends invited me to a party, and they all, like, I was known as the goody two-shoes, right? Like, I was the pastor's kid. And so, like, all the jokes about, about past, you know, holy whatever was, was thrown in my direction all of my life. Like, I remember, and I hated those conversations from eighth grade when I started going to public school. What does your dad do? My dad's a pastor, and then everybody would be looking at me like, a pastor? Your dad's a pastor. How do you make money? How do you do this? How do you do that? And, then, and people would, like, walk past me in the halls of school and go like this. Like, <laughs> do stupid stuff like that just to tease me that I was a Christian. And, and I remember when I, was, when I was in high school that there was a grad party, and it was like, you know, everybody knew, like, Jonathan is a Christian, blah, blah, blah. And it was their mission to, like, they wanted to get me to drink. So I went out to go drink, and, and uh, or I didn't go out to drink. I went to this party. <laughs> and, uh, and they all, like, like, you know, gave me wine coolers and stuff. And they're like, it doesn't even taste like beer. Like, this tastes like fruit punch. Like, it's good. And I was like, okay, shoot, so whatever. And so I took the wine cooler. I was drinking the wine cooler. Malie, don't, don't drink. <laughs> I was drinking the wine, I, I, I was probably like a junior or a sophomore or something like that. And then um, it was late, right, and, and my parents, they normally go to sleep. So I was like, oh, my parents are going to go to sleep. By the time I get home, they're gonna, it's going to be okay. And, uh, and then my face started getting all red. Like, my face was all red. I felt all this heat. And I looked in the mirror, and my face was beet red. And I was like, oh, shoot. My parents are gonna like kill me if they see this. And so my friends are like, just eat bread. Just eat bread. Eat a lot of bread and it's gonna soak up all of the alcohol in your system. And so I'm like eating bread, you know, like trying to and and my face is still all red and it's like, bruh, it's not working. <laughs> like and then, okay, you just gotta stay late. Just stay here late and then wait till your parents go to bed. They won't even know. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's a good plan. So I stayed up till like, I don't know, I was out there till like one o'clock, two o'clock. I don't know, it's pretty late. This isn't being recorded, right? And my kids are not here, so we're not, we're not telling this story in seconds. So, oh, your kids are. But, sorry. They're old enough. Like yeah, They're good kids. They're not like how we were. Anyway, so, so I, I remember driving up, and the lights of the house are all on. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And so I, I, I look inside, and both my dad and my mom are up on the couch. That never happened. Never. Like, they always went to sleep. And I don't know, God told them or something. Do you remember that night? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Why did you guys stay up? I don't even remember, like, why they were up. But they stayed up. And I walked through the door, and I was going to just, like, you know, slide into the bedroom. And then the first thing my mom said, she goes, were you drinking? (laughs) Like, what? What? Were you drinking? I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh. And they like, didn't say anything. They didn't yell at me. They didn't like, give me lickings. They're just like, oh. They put their head down. And I was like, okay, like, where's the bat? <laughs> and, and I just walked to my room, went to sleep. That was the end of it. But I knew I hurt them. I, I knew I betrayed their trust. And, and, and they didn't do anything to me. Why am I crying? Like, who cares? But 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 if they started yelling at me and they were like, you're grounded, you're never going out again, blah, 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 I would be, I'm a junior in high school, I know everything. I'm gonna, I don't care, I'm gonna move out. You know, like I was, you know, a stupid teenager. And thought I knew everything. And but instead of them putting the law on me, they put guilt on me instead. <laughs> and and I never drank after that. That was like the last time I ever drank beer on purpose. I think there were some times that I did like you know, cocktails or whatever. <laughs> but it was the last. I should tell you guys some stories. No, I'm not going to tell you stories about that. But it was the last time because there was a law that was operating in my heart that was greater than the law of, the law of my parents. It was the law of love. And I didn't want to hurt them because... And they showed me grace. So it it wasn't... um, So in the progression of a child being raised, uh, I've been taught that first you mold them, right? That's the age where you give them lickings and spankings or whatever. You mold them in love, right? Because everything should come out of love, not anger. Right, Mokihana? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why she's just like smiling, but uh, molding, and then after molding is mentoring, right? So it it moves from just like discipline to mentoring through talking and helping them understand, and then from mentoring to modeling, right? We just live our lives and they see what they're doing, and then and then marveling at what God is doing in their lives. So molding, mentoring modeling, and then marveling, right? There's the four M's of raising kids. And, and you can't mold a teenager, right? You can't mold a young adult. At every stage, there's a different way of raising kids. And um, if you look at humanity, it's almost the same way, that when humanity was first separated from the Lord, that Humanity, through Adam, didn't want to have anything to do with God. They rebelled against God. And the first step in the infancy of humanity was molding. It was the law. And when they broke the law, they got lickens. And you look at it all through the Old Testament, they break the law, boom, they get lickens. They break the law, they rebel, boom, they get lickens. And it, it keeps happening all through the Old Testament, but then there comes a time when God moves to the next phase. And in the New Testament, it goes from molding to mentoring. And it's going from the law on tablets of stone outside of the heart to the law being inscribed on the heart. I will write my laws on their hearts. I will, they will be my people. I will be their God. There's this, now that God has revealed himself as a God of love, we fulfill the law, not because as a servant, out of fear, uh, out of this expectation of judgment anymore, but we do fulfill the law, not out of fear of punishment, but out of love for our father. We've been adopted into his family as a son, as a daughter. We're no longer looked at and judged by our performance but we are a part of his family. And even if we mess up, even if we screw up, he doesn't condemn us, he loves us. And that love, when we understand that love, it it writes his law on our hearts so that we want to do what's right. How many of you have experienced the grace of God, the love of God that has written his law on our hearts so that we're not motivated by guilt, by shame, by condemnation, by this servant mentality, but by a mentality of belonging, a mentality of a son, a, a mentality of a, of a daughter. Amen. Um, I just want to give like another analogy. When I was growing up, or not when I was growing up. When when Joss and I were dating, she is the the the, the furthest person that would put her foot on the beach. She doesn't like the sun. She doesn't like the water. She doesn't like sand. None of that stuff, and I, you know, love the beach, love the sun, love the ocean. And I remember when we were first going out, I was like, okay, I gotta change her, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta transform this townie, and uh, and I took her to the beach one evening uh, for night surfing, and she almost d- died because she didn't know how to swim. I didn't know she didn't know how to swim. <laughs> she fell off her board, and and uh, and I had to rescue her and like take her to the beach, and and um, but. I really didn't want her to learn how to surf. That wasn't the, the the motivation. I just loved surfing, and I wanted to do something with her. I just wanted to share the joy of surfing with, with a, a girl that I was in love with. How mental would it be if she was like, I want John to love me, and so she... What, what if she like took a surfboard? She would never do this. She doesn't love me that much. But what if, what if she took a surfboard and went to the beach every day and paddled and, and tried to learn how to, to paddle into a wave and like do cutbacks and floaters? Because she was like, man, I just really want John to love me, and I, I'm going to be a surfer so to fulfill his dream. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> but that didn't happen. And it, it would have been insane if that happened because... I, didn't, I could care less if she surfs. I just wanted to share that experience with her. But a lot of us are like that with God. You know, we look at the things that God deems as important and valuable in Scripture and, and we feel like if we don't measure up and we don't do these things right, that He's not going to love us. And so we try to do all this stuff without Him, hoping that we gain His approval by doing these good things when He's like, hey, I created you in my image. Like, just relax. Like, I adopted you into my family. You're my son. You're my daughter. Abide in my love. Know the truth. The truth will set you free. You shouldn't have a punishment of, a fear of a punishment from the law. You should abide in in my love. Amen? Is that good stuff? Yes. Okay, number two, freedom from sin or the power of sin. Um, Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly I say unto you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. How many of you are grateful of that, that there is a promise that you are not going to struggle with sin forever? You are a slave to sin. We are all slaves to sin because of the flesh that's in us, but, and we are a servant to sin, but the servant does not remain a servant forever. Amen? Amen. How many of you know that the person sitting next to you has problems with sin? (laughs) I've been shaking his head. He's like, yep, (laughs) my mom has deep issues with sin. (laughs) And all of us do. But the promise is that the servant doesn't stay in the house forever, but a son abides forever. God has adopted us into the family of Christ and the family of God, and we are his sons, we are his daughters, and because of that, we will never be disowned no matter how we perform. How many of you would kick your kid out of the house if they didn't you know didn't take out the trash the right way? Anyone? Most of us wouldn't. <laughs> And that's the love of a father, the love of a mother will look past the weaknesses of their kids and love them and accept them no matter what. And that's what God does for us. Amen. Romans 6.14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. When we understand that we're under grace and we're not under the law, sin loses its stranglehold on our lives. Um, and then number three, freedom from death or the fear of death. Let's read this together. Uh, one, two, three. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. John 8, 50 to 51. Uh, Colossians two 13. Let's read that together. One, two, three. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all your trespasses. Everyone say all. Say that again, all. Doesn't that feel good? That Christ has forgiven you of all of your sins, all of your trespasses. And we are adopted into his family, no longer evaluated by our performance as a servant, but in the family of God and accepted in the family of God because Jesus fulfilled the law. And that takes us to the scripture that we read in the beginning. Then Jesus said to them, said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide, everyone say, abide, abide Abide in my word. You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free—freedom from the law, freedom from sin, freedom from death. And this is the end of the law, Romans thirteen. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for the love, uh, for for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, for the commandment says, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So this, the because God is a God of love, he gave us all free choice. And one thing he could not dictate, one thing that he could not tell us we needed to do was love. How many of you wish life was that simple, that you could just tell somebody, your spouse, your kid, whoever, you could just tell them, love me. (laughs) How many wish that you could do that? You can't. Love is something that cannot be dictated, right? It cannot be dictated. So what God did in the infancy of humanity is he made laws to keep us from killing each other. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And if you did, what would you get? Punishment. And the punishment would keep us from killing each other. But in the fulfillment of time, there was a better way. And the better way was that Jesus would come down as God and he would reveal the heart of the Father. And the heart was not to punish. The heart was not to condemn. The heart was to give himself sacrificially in love. And, and what happens when you, when you receive love? You want to give it, right? How many of you have ever gotten a secret admirer note when you were in junior high or something and the note said, you don't know me, but I really think you're pretty, I really think you're handsome and I really like you. How many of you got a note like that? You don't have to raise your hand, I know you all did. And, and when you get that, you're like, oh, I wonder who this is. And it, you start like liking this person back because love was given to you. And what God did in the fullness of time as he sent his son to display his extravagant love to us, changing the heart of man so that man could freely love his creator. And in freely loving his creator, all of the laws that were in the law of Moses are now fulfilled because we have received the love of Christ and we want to give it from our hearts. And that is an amazing thing. Amen? Amen. And what God has called every single one of us to do in this time, while there is tension in our culture, and while people are doing stupid things, and while we're under different uh, injustices, is that we walk in the same footprints of our Savior and our Lord, and even though he was king, he came as a servant, and he served, and he allowed himself to suffer at the, the, the hands of man unjustly and showed man that he loved them. And it's my, it's my heart this year that I would go a step beyond loving or forgiving my enemies, but that God would give me the grace to love my enemies because that's a whole nother level. How many of you would want to love your enemies this, this year? Why don't we all stand and we'll close in a word of prayer. Why don't we say this prayer together? Just repeat after me. Say, dear God, I receive your love. I receive your grace. Thank you that you love me and you've adopted me into your family. I declare this morning that I am your son and daughter. I receive your love this morning. And I reject the lie that you only accept me based on performance. Help me to receive your unconditional love and understand the truth. Let your truth set me free from guilt, from shame, from condemnation, from the mindset of a servant. Thank you that you made me your child and you adopted me into your family and that you've given me an inheritance. I love you, and help me to love others the same way that you love me. In Jesus' wonderful name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face be gracious unto you, turn to you. May his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week.